Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Steve Espalman. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. Amen. Amen. Were these guys awesome today or what? Man, I got wrecked. Thank you, Noah. Noah knows I don't like background music. Just distracts me. I can't do it. Sorry. It's so good. I can't do it. It's good. I just start singing or something, and everybody will leave. That's a good point. You can sit there if you want, and I'll help things go better. Because you're such a good look. Isn't he? A, these young guys today. It's amazing, huh? Hey, I might sit here. I don't know. I'm probably gonna go take a seat. Well, wait, it, it does say children sit with your parents. I, I do. Love you, Steve. I love you, too. We just express love differently, that's all. Hey, I, I, I want to follow up on what Phil said. Chris Dupre is not only a dear, dear friend, but he's one of my favorite teachers. And I don't know anybody that carries the, the revelation of the Father heart of God more than Chris. And Chris will be sharing for the next three or four, starting October 6th, um, that 9 o'clock session that Phil was talking about. I encourage you to go. I guarantee it'll it'll change your understanding of who God is. So good luck, Chris, after that one. I'm going to change everybody's lives. We're doing things a little differently. To, hey, do I need this? Because I'm a tie. I have two hands to talk with. It's like having a speech impediment. What do you call an, an Italian with, with one hand? A guy with a speech impediment. You know, so. The Father. Um, I've been following Jesus for almost 50 years, and I've been in the ministry almost that whole time. And there's some things that are really on my heart that I want to share with you as family. And I thought today was the perfect time because we're, we're talking about we're going to have communion today. And I think it's one of the most misunderstood things in the church today. And there's so many misconceptions about it. I know people who are actually afraid to take communion because of those scary verses. And, and many times the, 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 these verses are lifted out of its historical and scriptural context. So I want to read the scripture with you today. If you have a Bible or your iPhone, however you carry your Bible, um, I'd like you to turn to 1 Corinthians 11. We're going to look at, we're going to read, actually read the whole portion from verses 17 through 34. I'm going to start it in um, the Passion Translation and finish with the English Standard Version because I thought um, the, the Passion really caught the context properly uh, in the beginning part. So are you all ready? 
So Paul's writing to the Corinthians. That's a wild and crazy church. Now on this matter, I wish I could commend you, but I cannot. Because when you meet together as a church family, it's doing more harm than good. I've been told many times that when you meet as a congregation, divisions and cliques emerge. And to some extent, this doesn't surprise me. Differences of opinion are unavoidable. Yet, they will reveal which ones among you truly have God's approval. When all of your house churches gather as one church family, you're not really properly celebrating the Lord's Supper. For when it comes time to eat, some gobble down their food before anything is given to others. One is left hungry while others become drunk. Don't you all have homes where you can eat and drink? Don't you realize that you're showing a superior attitude by humiliating those who have nothing? Are you trying to show contempt for God's beloved church? How should I address this appropriately? If you're looking for my approval, you won't find it. I've handed down to you what came to me by direct revelation from the Lord himself. The same night, um, the, the night the Lord Jesus on the night when he's betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, I just switched to a different version. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why so many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we discerned ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we're disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. You know, I've been a lot of churches around the world over the years, and I've heard all kind of things about this. And I, I want to clear this, this chapter up for us. This is not a scary thing. It's not a terrifying thing. But it has to be taken in its context. These verses are not talking about, well, let me, let me just start, start at the beginning. First of all, I, I like what the, um, the Passion does. He brings out the historic uh, context to the best of our knowledge. What was happening in Corinth at the time is there were a number of house churches led by different elders. And once a month or so, they would all come together as one big group and have a feast, a love feast together. And then part of the, the end of the love feast was maybe the more traditional communion that, that we're familiar with. And what was happening is some people were getting there early, some people were getting there late, and the people, it was like, I guess, a glorified potluck dinner, I don't know. And, uh, but people were, like, eating before everybody else got there, and usually what happened in these situations is the poor got left out. 
and they were being shamed, and they would come to these meetings, and they'd have nothing to eat, and the other guys were drunk, and there was no food left, and, and they were, like, just hurting one another. And the whole context of this chapter, because it says about discerning the body. Now, some versions say discerning the body of Christ, but in the oldest Greek manuscripts, it's just discerning the body. Who is the body? We are, the church. And what Paul is saying is you're not discerning that you are part of a body, the body that I died for. And that's when the trouble kicked. And this is why Paul was so upset. And this is why they were having trouble is because they weren't discerning the body. In this particular situation, they were shaming one another. They were being gluttonous. And then people were being left out. And Paul said, this is why right now you've been under judgment. Now let me say this too. Because it says if you take this in an unworthy manner... So many people are afraid to take communion because they feel unworthy. That's not what Paul is talking about at all. This isn't dealing with your walk with the Lord. Every one of us that's born again is worthy. You know why? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And the judgment, the judgment that he's talking about isn't God judging you individually. Do you know why? Because when Jesus died on the cross... He took all our judgment. He took all our punishment. God doesn't pick out something you said and said, punish you for that. That is Old Testament. And that, all the Old Testament was doing was pointing people to the fact that nobody could keep all the rules and, and, and they needed a Savior. That's basically, if you read Galatians, the whole point was, if you, if, you know, the Old Testament was like, you do this, you get rewarded. You don't do it, you get punished. And we... Galatians brought that into their Christianity. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ was punished for you once and for all, completely. It's all done. There's no more judgment. You can say amen to that, right? And I'm hoping my, my friend Chris Dupre is going to come up and give us some aspects of that, some aspects of grace. But I'm bringing this up because we read these verses and we're terrified. And I know churches where people have to confess all their sins before they have communion and, or, or, or some people don't take communion because they're afraid God's going to judge them. Let me tell you, the judgment here is not against you for doing something personal. What this means is because Jesus took all the judgment. I want you to get that in your hearts. So what is he talking about? When we, Paul was saying, when you don't discern the body of Christ, when you sin against the body of Christ, it's under a judgment. Jesus already took that judgment. But when you do that, Guess who steps in and starts wreaking havoc? The enemy. You literally open the door to the enemy to come in. And Paul said that's why some of you are weak, some of you are sick, and some of you are dying. Because, because they didn't discern the body of Christ, they didn't treat one another correctly, the enemy was allowed in to come in and, and take them out. It wasn't God judging them. The judgment is this is not how we treat one another. This is not how the body of Christ operates, and Satan just runs with it. That's why Paul made it real simple. He didn't scare him to death. He just said, examine yourself. Not like navel gaze and look at three million sins that you've committed. I would be here. I could never take communion. I'd be too busy confessing my sins. And you know, the more you navel gaze, the worse it gets. We're not to navel gaze. We're to cross gaze. If we would just be lost 
on Jesus and focus on what he did for us. Like, seek ye first the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God, and his righteousness. His righteousness means I'm not trying to earn anything or get any approval by being good on my own. My righteousness comes from Christ. That's the righteousness we're to seek. But when Paul says examine himself here, he's not saying navel gaze and confess all your sins. He's saying discern yourself, examine yourself to make sure that you're discerning the body of Christ properly. And then have communion. So if I realize, oh, man, I've had a really bad attitude towards Lou Hallstatt. Oh, sorry. I let that out publicly. No, I'm just joking. Lou's a dear friend. But if I did, Lord, I repent. That's it. I don't need to go up and tell Lou, hey, Lou, you know what? I think you're a jerk. I can't. That's, that's crazy. You don't do Then he's like, oh. That's not what the scripture is saying. Just examine your heart. Discern the body of Christ. Jesus' great prayer in John 17 was that we would love one another. He died for the body of Christ. His great prayer is that we would be in unity together. Now, listen, that doesn't mean we have to like each other. You know, we, we get all these weird, hyper-religious ideas. Look, let's be realistic. You, you can't like everybody. Some people are hard to like. I'm hard to like. Just ask my wife sometimes. But I've been getting unjerked. If you were there yesterday, you know what I was talking about. Slowly being unjerked. But it does say to love one another. You know, Christians may separate from each other's communion, yet be loving towards one another. But some people can continue in the same communion, but be unloving. So, in other words, what that means is, if, if I think, I'll pick on Chris. I'd rather pick on Chris. Lou's too nice. If, if I think Chris is a jerk, which I don't, but. Well, maybe he is. <laughs> if, if I think that, it's one thing. But I'm still to honor him. And the way I honor Chris is when you talk to me about Chris Dupree, you're only going to hear the good stuff. That's love. I cover my brother. I'm sure he's covered me quite a bit. <laughs> I'm shorter than him, but I got a lot more to cover, let me tell you. And you see, maybe we're not best friends, but I, I, I love him and honor him. And the reason I said I want to talk to you as a father and as a friend today is what really grieves my heart the most is when in the body of Christ people are hurt and angry and they resort to gossip and slander. And I'm telling you, it's one of the worst sins you can commit against the Lord Jesus Christ and against his church. It, Proverbs say there's seven things the Lord hates. And he goes down the list. And the main focus is he that sows discord among the brethren. God hates that. Do you want to do something that God hates? In Galatians 5, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. Gossip and slander are right in there. And I'm really concerned about this because 
Jesus gave his life for his body. Do we want to work against that prayer? Is it right to ruin somebody's reputation? You know, gossip is contagious, and it's one of the best strategies Satan uses to divide Christians. Gossip's basically talking about someone in a negative way that could lead others to do the same. It's often intentional and meant to damage somebody's credibility, reputation, simply to point out their faults, et cetera, et cetera. You know, being in the church world for a long time, you, you get to experience a lot, especially in the ministry. And um, we didn't do everything right raising our kids. I, can, I could tell you for hours all the mistakes I made. But one thing we did right is we never, ever, ever talk badly about anybody in front of our kids, ever. And there were some times we were at churches that were literally crucifying us. And our kids thought those the very people that were killing us, my kids thought they were the best people in the whole world. And my kids are grown up now, and they not only do they love Jesus, they love God's people, and they love church because we didn't talk in front of them and poison them. Gossip, or even, and, and it might have been true what I was saying, but just because it was true doesn't mean that person needs to hear it. You know, if I have a problem with Chris, Matthew, Matthew 18 lays all this out. It says, I'm going to go to Chris and talk to him alone. And if something's really wrong between us and he's not getting it, it says I go back with two or three. But then he gets to come back with two or three too. And we work it out. There are those extreme times where it says, if that doesn't work, you bring it to the church. But that's talking about really serious stuff. Now, does this mean you can't talk to anybody? Sure, I mean, we talk to our spouses. We all need a confidant. I know when we were being crucified at this one church, I, we would go to our pastor friends um, in New Jersey and talk to them because we weren't worried they were going to get on the hook and call everybody else and tell everybody about it. That's really important. If I have a problem with Chris, it's between Chris and me. I don't call Lou up and say, Lou, you can't believe what Chris just did. Now, I've sinned against three people. When I've done that, I've sinned against Jesus. I've sinned against my brother Chris. And I've sinned against Lou because now Lou, who liked Chris at one time, now has got an issue with Chris because I just told him all this stuff about Chris. Do you see how that works? Then Lou, of course, says, Ange, you're not going to believe this. Now Ange just slimed. And because I know them, they would keep it between themselves. But do you see how evil that is? It's just, it's just wrong. And... So today we're not like not waiting for people to come and eat and we're not being gluttons and then the poor are suffering. But another way we dishonor the body is how or how another way we sin against the body of Christ and give the enemy the, the ability to come against us is how we treat one another. I, I just feel this so deeply because it's just so wrong. I'm blown away. It's one of the... the the main things we were taught as um, young Christians was like, you just, one thing you never do is you don't gossip or slander. And we've all been guilty of it. I get that. But you learn that it's not a good thing to do. And again, Paul's saying, if you're going to take communion, examine yourself. If you haven't discerned the body of Christ, just repent. 
and then take communion. Okay? See, it's not a big, scary thing, but it's a very important thing. Actually, communion is to be a time of celebration. When we are discerning the body of Christ, we're thinking not only about the finished work of Christ, what he did for us, which should be making us jump, yes. But I'm also thinking, look, it saved Keith. It saved Joe. Well, he's getting saved. Anyway, it saved Joe. It saved Richard, our friends. You know, and you rejoice. It's a time to celebrate. It's not just, oh, I'm afraid I'm gonna, God's going to kill me if I take it. Oh, this is terrible. Do, do you get what I'm saying? It's, all, it's a time to celebrate with the body of Christ. I'm excited about my brothers and sisters. We had a blaster yesterday. Lou and Angie's incredible son and the Nelson's incredible daughter got married right out there on the hill. We had a wonderful time. Man, you know, if it wasn't for Jesus, that wouldn't have happened. So see, communion is a, a happy thing. Right? If it wasn't for the body of Christ, that never would have happened yesterday. This wouldn't have happened today. And I, I'm not like beating, I hope I'm not, nobody's getting condemned. I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm just as a father, just trying to say like, if you're gossiping, if you're slandering, stop it. It's just evil. It's destructive. Repent. Do it God's way. Go to that person. Get it straight. Bring two or three. Duke it out. I don't care. I don't mean physically. I meant, are you with me on this? I mean, I could give you, I've got 20 verses right here in front of me about gossip Do I need, and slander. Do I need to read all those? Maybe I should read about 30 of them. But can you imagine the Lord hates sowing discord among your brethren. You're actually dividing the body that Jesus died to put together. Do you really want to be guilty of that? How many have ever been a victim of gossip and slander? Come on, be honest. How does it feel? Horrible. And how does it feel when you meet somebody and they give you like a look like, I know about you. I, I've been... What, what do we do about this? Let me tell you, how should, we, how should Christians respond to gossip? First of all, if Chris calls me up and says, you know, I want to tell you something about Keith. I, I got a problem with Keith. The first thing I'm going to say to, Keith, uh, to, to Chris is like, wait a minute, stop. Did you talk to Keith about that? No, I don't, I don't want to hear it. You, talk, you have a responsibility to talk to Keith. I'm not going to, like, listen to it and say, because, oh. you know, the Proverbs say how juicy a, a tidbit of gossip is. You know, we all, come on, we all like to hear something juicy. Like, what? Keith picks his nose and eats his boogers. I knew it. I knew there was something wrong with him. I knew it. Sorry, I didn't mean, I'm, oh, all these heavy counseling sessions, I'm letting everybody's secrets out. No, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm saying something funny to make a point. Like, you tell people, don't, I don't need to hear this. Or worse yet, when people have an issue and they go on a phone campaign and they literally call people up to turn people against who they want to be turned against. So this is, you are literally cooperating with Satan when you do that. I mean, do you really want to partner with the devil? That's why Paul said, many of you are weak and there's sickness among you because you have just walked under not God's personal judgment against you, but his judgment against this 
sin, and the Satan is a legalist, he'll take that and run with it. That's why Paul said uh, in a number of places, remember he says, people who do this, this, and this, whether it's murder or adultery or fornication, won't see the kingdom of God. I don't think he's saying you won't go to heaven if you're a believer, but you're not going to see the kingdom of God. You're not going to see the love, the joy, the power, the presence of God in your life. You're going to get wiped out. And I think that's what Paul's saying here. That's the kind of judgment. Again, I want to emphasize this, and Chris will wrap it up, but God's not judging you personally. He did all that on Jesus Christ so you wouldn't have to be judged. But when you do stuff like this, you open yourself up to the enemy, and then he wreaks havoc. And he doesn't just hurt you. He hurts the people that you talk to, and he hurts the church. And the Satan loves to destroy churches. Why is it? Did you ever think about this? And if any of you have been in church life for any time, how many times I've talked to people, I hate church or I hate Christians. Why? Because it's the gossip. It's the slander. And how many church splits have we all seen? You think that's the heart of Jesus? Well, whose heart is that? If you followed the biblical mandate, you've gone one-on-one, -on -one, you've gone two-on-two, -two, and they've gone two-on-two, -two, and things just, you just don't like it, leave with a blessing. Don't say, well, we're leaving because we're going to start our own group. Oh, that is so demonic. Please don't do that because you, you, you just bring judgment on yourself and on the people. Just don't do that. Are you with me? I know this is heavy, but are you, are you hearing this? I don't want you to look at communion the same again. It just, when we take communion today, we're going to discern ourselves, examine ourselves, and make sure that we're cool with the body of Christ. Repent. Now we have to repent for telling everybody that Keith picks his nose and eats his boogers. I have to repent for that. And then I, I just rejoice in what Jesus Christ has done for me. Are you with me? So I'd like Chris to come up here and, what? He's, he's whispering. He's probably saying something to me that, yeah, bring, yeah, bring those with you. He's, I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> we are after you wrap this up. You got to clean up this mess I made now. Don't you love this man? I love this man. I'm going to sit in Noah's seat. Okay. Hey, you want some I'm Irish. I don't need both hands to talk. <laughs> Usually, as a family, our Irish family, we'd always have something in one hand anyway. <laughs> you mean a glass of water, right? No, Just communion. Okay, you don't need sermon number two. <laughs> sermon number one was great. That's, that's awesome. Um, <clears throat> I, I was asked just to, to say one thing concerning grace, and uh, they didn't know what I was going to say, but something. <laughs> um, here's the thing. How many of you want the grace of God towards you? Okay, about half of you. <laughs> um, how many of you then want judgment? How many want... <laughs> Um, 
we have the grace being the acceptance from God, unconditional, unmerited. Um, uh, we have grace for living in that Ephesians 4, 4, 7, grace for the situation. Um, if you read Ephesians 4, 7, that's really what that talks about in, in the moment. Um, and grace to in, in endure, the grace to endure, not just a moment, but the grace to endure. We have all these different aspects of grace that come toward us. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's an unmerited gift. We all want it. Steve talked about, you know, we, we had an old covenant. I love the Old Testament, but I, I do not want anything from the Old Covenant in my life. The Old Testament, I want all the revelation and everything that it teaches me. Old Covenant, I, can, I, I, I want to look at it in a, a teaching mode and not in a way that it affects my heart and my life. <clears throat> all you have to do is read Hebrews 7. You read it, it talks about an Old Covenant is... It's, it's like a body that disintegrated and is less with dust. And it says it's the dust that covers you. I don't want that in my life. Um, but I, I want grace. And we, there is a movement, I, I'll talk more about this some other time, but there's a movement against the fullness of grace right now. Grace is a dirty word in some word, worlds. In some Christian worlds, grace, because... Some people use it and abuse the, sometimes the situation, and, and they, they use the expression of hyper-grace. Um, let me tell you something. A grace, that's not even a large enough word for what the grace of God is. Come on. Come on. Grace is eternal. It's all-consuming. And sometimes the attack against grace makes you not want to talk about grace or receive grace Therefore, you miss it because of an attack against it. Did that make sense? Okay. Why am I saying this at the end of what he's saying? I'm saying this because the, I so need the grace of God in my life. I desperately need the grace. I need to know. Actually, what I, I need is revelation of the grace of God because I have the grace of God. I need the revelation of how deeply my life has been affected by the grace of God. When I have that, the higher the revelation I understand of grace coming toward me, the greater I can give grace to those around me. Why is grace important? Grace is important because it, its entryway to me that I receive becomes the way that I can then turn and give it. If I can't give grace, I don't give forgiveness. If I, if I don't receive grace, I don't give people the grace they need in their situations. Right now, the, the foundational aspect of gossip and slander is lack of understanding of grace in your life. That's right. That's right. You try to empower yourself through words about others to protect yourself, to make yourself look better when actually God wants to strip you of all the things that you think make you look better so that you can just rely on God creating you better. Wow. Does that make sense? Good word. Therefore, to me, grace is one of the most beautiful and important words. I heard somebody say, by the way, um, I've got a, a water. Could somebody just bring me a water real fast? I'm going to thank you. <laughs> See, you use your left hand to pick your nose and your right hand to give it. Okay. Wow. Um, somebody said to me, I was talking about grace, and they said, well, what about a balanced life? 
And I thought about, well, what about, anybody remember, some of you remember the Ed Sullivan show? Okay, really the Ed Sullivan show. Tonight. Yeah, he, he's old. He remembers. Um, <laughs> and remember, a guy would come out with, a, with the plates, and he'd put them on these sticks, and he'd start balancing the plates, and he'd have one, two, three. I remember there was like, one guy had like 16 plates going, and he's just going, keeping them balanced one after another. You know, it's, it's we don't see this on TV nowadays. I just wanted you to know that. Some of you were going, why would he do that? Because that's what entertained us back in the 60s, okay? That and dancing bears from Russia. They would, they would bring those up. That's why the Beatles were so important on February 9th, 1964. Anyway. Um, so somebody said to me, well, what about balance? You got to have balance. You talk about grace, there's, there's no balance in your discussion. And the fact of the matter is, if I put this on my head, You were never on the Ed Sullivan show, were you? No. All my energy is going into not moving forward because I'm spending all my energy trying to keep this stupid water bottle balanced <laughs> on my head. Balance is the wrong word for grace. There is no balance in grace. Okay? Grace is dangerous. If grace isn't dangerous, it's not grace. It's your ability to overcome. Grace goes beyond my ability to God's ability to restore something, okay? Forgiveness washes things away. Grace invites me to live again. If I talk about balance, I say, well, how do I balance, how do I balance love then? Should I balance grace? Oh, yeah. How, okay, if that's the case, then I need to balance love with what? A little more hatred. Come on. I need to add a little more hatred to my life. I talk about obedience. Well, you need to have a balanced life. How do I balance obedience? Well, I, I just, you know, I, I, I sin just a little bit more just to balance out obedience because I need to be balanced. I need grace. I need it given to me by God. Wait a minute. I have it. I need the revelation of how much I have. And then I need it from you. I'm new here. I'm a newbie. I can't tell you the grace that I've had and gotten from you. I so love and appreciate it. You've been so kind. How some people just came and came around my wife the times that, that she's, she's come. And we have a special needs daughter, by the way. Um, so she's here sometimes, sometimes she's not. Our firstborn has some special needs. So, so we, you know, we have to take uh, care of, of her and make sure that she's taken care of. And sometimes that requires her not to be where I am sometimes. And so, uh, but your grace has been amazing. But here's the thing, and I'll just end with this. As we're taking communion um, <clears throat> today, we, we have the opportunity in this life to recreate what Jesus did, which is this, to lay down our lives one for another. If I, to me, some of the most precious moments of my life are when I have a choice to lay my life down for someone else. And when I, when I receive communion, when I have the Lord's Supper, <clears throat> one of the foremost things I want to walk away with is what Steve talked about. Am I, am, is grace filled in my lips so that I extend to others what I get from God? And the more I know I receive from God, the greater I can give to one another.
So my prayer is that the empowerment of the revelation of grace will hit all of us, that we would be undone by the grace of God so that we can have the affection and the grace to extend to other people because we're all doofuses. Can we say amen to that? Amen. We can all be a doofus at one time or another. And when someone is, does it and we're in a good place, it's not my place to use that to empower me to talk about them. It's my place to go low and to be, as Jesus did, one who washes the feet of one another. So, Steve, I'll let you just read this. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.